from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you this afternoon on 99.9 The Fan. Graham Hill is producing us this afternoon. Don Waddell, Rob Brindamore of the Carolina Hurricanes spoke to the media today. A lot of people are wondering what the Canes are going to do this offseason after getting to the Easter Conference Final, getting swept in a tight series. Let's go, let's be honest, those games were super tight with the Florida Panthers, but nevertheless, you're out in four games. Canes should be playing in the Stanley Cup Final. That's all I'm going to say. It's how I feel. Plus, Nick Saban wants changes in college football that I don't think he's going to get. He's just going to have to live with it. We know when NC State is kicking off against Notre Dame at Carter-Finley Stadium. We got Pop-Tarts, but as we have the Daily Tech Town brought to you by Window Nation, we do have breaking news for our number five. There it is! Sorry, the... uh... The news reporter in me was waiting for the fancy news music. Oh, of course. Um, so, sports bettors, hey, guess what? We're one step closer to being able to do online gambling in the state of North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina has come from uh, Brian Murphy, WRL investigative sports reporter, who we speak to all the time over here on 99.9 Fan. Um, North Carolina has taken a big step closer to legalizing online sports gambling. Uh, the state Senate passed House Bill 347 on its second reading. So the Senate must vote again on the measure Thursday, uh, which is a formality. Votes yep. are unlikely to change. It, it passed 38 to 11. Um, so that's that's big. Who are the 11? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, that That is big, though, for where this is going. The next steps for this is since the House initially put this forward and the Senate made changes to the bill, a lot of some big changes. So now it must return to the House where they will vote on it. And then once the House passes it, then it will go to Governor Roy Cooper's desk where he would have to sign it. Uh, now, just with the timeline of all of this, right, the, the bill itself uh, pinpoints, I believe it's January 8th as when all of online sports gambling in North Carolina would take effect. Uh, but that is up in the air. Another thing it also says is uh, that sports wagering shall not be authorized in the state until a date identified by the lottery commission. Yes. So January 8th is what you're looking at. This is not going to be the kind of thing where Governor Roy Cooper signs the bill and then immediately, boom, download, insert sports book here, whatever it might be. Uh, it's it's going to take some time, but that January 8th, the beginning of next year, is the that's the date to have circled on your calendar for now. Basically right in time for college football playoff, right in time for the NFL playoffs, NHL, NBA, college basketball, all Super in Bowl. full swing, Super Bowl coming up, all that kind of stuff. So, March Madness. All those things. So, again, it passed the Senate today. It will have to be voted on again tomorrow. Again, a formality, and the reason why it's voted on twice is because this is a tax revenue. Yes. All right, that's the reason why it gets voted on twice, because it is a, it is a, it is a tax revenue source for the state of North Carolina. That's the reason why it gets voted on twice. Shout out to Civics, those those classes. You know, I've watched a lot of Parks and Rec. Parks so, and Rec? What's um, a lot of Parks and Rec? A lot of West Wing out there, folks. Yeah, they, that's that'll do it to you. A little so, house of cards. We're we're close. We're close. We're not that yet. We're not there yet, but we are close. Anyway, let's move on to number four. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. You would need two packs 
to get four Pop-Tarts because two Pop-Tarts come in a pack. Okay. Which ties us into number four, which ties us into Pop-Tarts because we now have the schedules for bowl games for college football. Yes. And in that, one of the reveals is that the Cheez-It Bowl is no more, and instead, the Pop-Tart Bowl shall rise from the ashes. Okay, so we have the Pop-Tart Bowl and not the Cheez-It Bowl anymore. So Pop-Tarts has taken over as the brand or as the title sponsor for the Cheez-It Bowl. So now it's just the Pop-Tart Bowl. Yes. Um, I don't like Pop-Tarts. Which, like, I mean, let's dive into that a little bit more. Okay. Why? I just don't think they're good. Was I've there, had them. Like, I just didn't think they tasted any good. Like, just like, was it just straight out of the wrapper? Was it hot? Was it cold? I've tried both. Really? Just, out of the wrapper, I've had it toasted. Didn't like them. I, I've heard that putting them in a freezer... And, like, making them cold is good? Sure. I'll take your word for what, it. What, do you remember what the flavor was that you tried? I've tried a couple, and I hated them all. Dang. So, no. That's I don't a do bummer. Pop-tarts. He definitely yeah, tried strawberry. Yeah, that might have been it. Wild he definitely berry. tried okay. strawberry. Wildberry's really good. I don't know. What, I, I can't remember. It was so long ago. I was like, ah, don't like these. Don't like Pop-Tarts. Dang. I don't do them. And, okay, here's the thing. I tell people that, and they look at me like I have five heads. Like, wait, Cin- how do you not eat Pop-Tarts? Cinnamon brown sugar is so good. Okay, but why is this such a big deal that I don't like Pop Tarts? It's not. Apparently, but, it is. Well, because the Pop Tart Bowl is coming up. What what happens? I don't know who who goes to the Cheez It Bowl. What, what happens if, like, say, a local team goes to the Pop Tart Bowl? Okay. So then there we go. New content. We're just gonna have you try all the Pop Tart cup flavors and see which one's your favorite. Oh God! <laughs> no, you, people don't want to see me by the end of it. Can we do a subscriber up. challenge? We a should. Subscriber challenge? We no, should. no, no. We're that's uh that's a uh, that's a different that's a different thing. I wonder. I wonder how how many flavors of Pop Tarts are there? Do we know off the top? Of I don't head? know, but I know I don't like any of them. Hold on, I'm gonna. Look I know this up. I don't like you, any of them. You go go to go to the next one. And I'll tell you how many flavors of Pop Tarts. I well, here's some bowl one, games two, that I, I actually do want to see some other bowl games take place. Like I want to see a little Debbie. I want to see a little Debbie Bowl. Cosmic Brownie. Yes. Can I get a Star Crunch? Like, can like each quarter be like its own different? You know, like it's the Nutty Buddy. You know that kind of deal, or the Nabisco Bowl. I, I want double stuffed Oreo Bowl. Mm. We already have a Tony the Tiger Bowl for Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Oops. All berries. I bowl. want all berries. All berries. Actually, just give me a normal regular hold, Captain hold Crunch. Hold on, on but before before we go to number three, here's just some of the ones I'm seeing here on Pop Tarts websites. Uh, they have a frosted banana bread pop tart. No thanks. Apple Jacks pop tart. Wait, hold on. I just rather rather have Apple Jacks. Um, Come on. Oh, because blueberry, brown nope. sugar, cinnamon, nope. frosted cherry, nope. frosted chocolate chip, frosted fudge, uh, confetti cupcake, cookies and cream, grape. Ugh, I don't know about grape. Um, hot fudge sundae, ego frosted maple flavor. Ooh, I'm hungry. Wildberry. Wildberry is a classic. S'mores. Oh, now see now I'm excited. I'm. I'm gonna have to figure this out. Paul just informed me that the Pop Tart Bowl, the Pop Tart Bowl, is an ACC Big Twelve Bowl. Hot it dog! Is. It is. So we could see NC State playing in the. They played in the Duke Mayo's Bowl last year. Can we get Dave Dorn getting Pop Tarts dumped on his head? Oh is man, is that a possibility? That just sounds miserable. Pop Tarts dumped on your head. I like it. All right, let's. I know you already hit the sounder, but hit it again. Next one. One, two, three. All right, so. Speaking of the ACC, we actually have kickoff times for the first three weeks of the season for the ACC. Week one, we know North Carolina is playing UNC in the Dukes-Mayo Classic down in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. They're playing South Carolina. So UNC, South Carolina. Kickoff for that game, 7.30. Prime time on ABC. Okay? Also week one, Duke at home against Clemson to start the season. Monday Night Football, 8 o'clock game, ESPN at Wallace Wade Stadium. Week 2, 
NC State at home kicking off against Notre Dame noon ABC. The three triangle schools, the first two weeks of the season, are getting prime viewership spots when it comes to college football. And good matchups, too. Yeah, I mean, even first off, I think of the three, like, kind of like primetime type spots, Duke hosting Clemson at Wallace Wade on that Monday night game, that feels like a that's big awesome. deal. That's awesome. That, that's, that's, that's a big deal. That's that's really cool. Um, I also, uh, UNC and App State at 515 in week two yeah. in Keenan Stadium, those games have been just absolutely spicy. So I'm I'm excited to see maybe we get what was what was the score last year like sixty something to fifty something or something uh, like that? a lot to a lot so so I've seen less in college basketball yeah yeah <laughs> yeah things like that um, NC State Notre Dame I think that's really cool that they are playing so early in the season I'm a little little bummed that it's at noon I still think it'll be cool like you mentioned it is a national uh, spot where it's going to be on ABC chances are if you're watching you know college game day you'll go from college game day straight to and Notre Dame at NC State, so that's that's fun. That that's another good one. Although, what is that? September 9th? It's gonna be yeah. hot. <laughs> that's, that's it's gonna, gonna be, be a hot warm, day. and it's a it's a noon kickoff again. I also wonder as well as that does it actually help with the tailgating. It's a little bit cooler in the day. It's the home opener. It's the home opener for NC State. So week one they're on the road at UConn, and then actually the next week, week three after Notre Dame. They play VMI. My guess is it's probably a twelve thirty game. Is uh, my guess. You don't know. Um, the the um st- start hydrating now for that game yes. would be my that would, that would be my expert advice. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of uh breakfast tailgating once again. Fire up the grills, throw the cast irons on there, cook up the bacon. Yes, because that's exactly what you're going to have. Mm. And you know what? Here's the thing as well. Do a post game tailgate. Yeah. Do a post-game tailgate. Enjoy it. So, 7 o'clock, right? Is that what you said, Graham? That's when lots open for those normally? 7 a.m. 7 a.m.? 7 a.m. Not 7 p.m., but 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Let's be real. People are going to be out there at like 6. Yeah. It'll be People are going to be camping out, camping out overnight. You yeah. know what? Enjoy it. It's a great early season contest for NC State, and it should be a fun one. But we do have kickoff times for the early part of the ACC schedule. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. Nick Saban. He threw around the unionization word today at the SEC meetings, uh, pretty similar to what the ACC's done, Like I think it was last week, two weeks mm-hmm. ago, at Amelia Island. Um, SEC decision makers coming together, essentially. Uh, but when asked about the notion of players unionizing in uh, college uh, football, college athletics, here's what he had to say. Well, I, I just think that, yeah, I, I have no problem with, with that. I mean, unionize it, make it like the NFL. I mean, if it's going to be the same for everyone, uh, I think that's better than what we have now because what we have now is we have some states and some schools in some states that are investing a lot more money uh, in terms of managing their roster than other others. And I think this is going to create a real competitive disadvantage for some in the future. And it's also going to create an imbalance uh, in competitive nature of the sport which that's not good for the sport everything they do in the nfl is to create what parity parity so and if they could have everybody going into the 17th week of the season at eight and eight that would be like a dream for the nfl because every team would be watch every fan would be watching their team to see if they get in the playoffs well you think there's disparity in college football right now going to be a lot more in the future. It's the call and response for me there between Nick Saban and the reporters. Yeah. I, 
this this to me, and the more we've throughout the course of the the show that we've talked about this, the uh-huh. more it's kind of like soaked in for me a little bit. I really think this is just Nick Saban. It's kind of word salad. Like he's throwing that. Yeah, union, sure, that'd be great because I'm mad about this. That's that's what it feels like. Uh, because you know, oh, if if we can, if, if it all can be the same for everyone, but it's not going to be because unionizing would be very complicated, mm-hmm. and I think there are a lot of steps that need to happen first. First and foremost, before we even get to that place, uh, I mean, like players have to be compensated in some way, shape, or form. This is where the the structure of college athletics and college football. We'll just use the prime example here because it makes so much money. Yeah, college football. This is where the structure of it becomes so problematic because you have these different kind of like almost like United States of conferences where everything is organized differently. Uh, trying to cross states, trying to cross conferences. Who who are you negotiating with here? If you were to create a union for uh, college football or college athletics, are you are you are you negotiating with the uh, the conference? Are you negotiating with the NCAA? Are you negotiating with the college football playoff? Yeah, that's you know. I, I want players to be compensated accordingly. I want them to be represented fairly. I'm I want, with you. I want them to have all this. But to me, this is just kind of Nick Saban saying, yeah, union, sure, why not? The thing that college coaches don't want to give up, and this is something they had to give up, is full control. Love power. That's the thing. They want full control. They want to make sure that they keep everything under their thumb, and they can't fully do that with NIL. And that's the thing that ticks them off is that they don't have the power anymore. Guess what? The player, the product that's out there on the field that we get to watch and and root for and we get to talk about, all that kind of stuff, that player has the ability and power now to move to another school when they want to and make money. That scares coaches. Yeah. They don't want that to happen. They want. You know why you want to unionize? Because they feel like they can sign guys under contracts. Guess what? Can't go anywhere. Oh, that's an interesting contract. That's an interesting. That's what they want to do. Well, and it's it's just it's not. This is not about. In my mind, Nick Saban saying this is not about unionizing. It's not. It's not about any of that. It's it's just about being frustrated that we we are in the wild wild west when it comes to nil and no there are no rules. There are no like hey this is how it's handled. Based on X, Y, and Z, it's different in each state. It's different with each program. It's that to me is what this is for Nick Saban. If you're going to have a union, guess what? You're going to have to share revenue with players. And if you want everyone to have the same equal playing ground, well, guess what? That means all the revenue of all these Power Five schools make. Guess what? You got to share that with everybody. It's called revenue sharing in pro sports. That's what it goes back to. Is he says he throws that sentence in super fast? That little comma statement comma. He says, "If it's if it's fair for everyone, if it's the same for everyone, this disparity that he's talking about, it's where, where you know this is what it's been like for it's never been the same for, forever. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. Never this, has. This is what it is. I, and I understand. I I can agree in that. Yeah, let's let's get like some kind of like, you know, program wide, nationwide nil deal thing figured out here, so everyone kind of knows what they're doing with. But but that's." Disparity, I I don't know. It just, just felt like a whole lot of, you know, word salad from Nick Saban. It felt like a lot of yelling at clouds. All right, <laughs> next up. <laughs>
Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. Number one thing here on the Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. It's the offseason for the Carolina Hurricanes. I wish that we were talking about how they won a Game 7 last night, Luis Fernandez. Because Game 7 would have been yesterday Oof. at PNC Arena. And you know what? I wish today we were celebrating a Game 7 win. But we're not. No. Gains are in their offseason. Big questions regarding, all right, Carolina. We saw the, the struggles to score in that series against the Florida Panthers. And at moments, at moments against the New York Islanders, there were some struggles. The Devils, well, Devils also struggled defensively as a whole in the playoffs. But nonetheless, they scored against the New Jersey Devils in the second round. But late in the season, we saw offensively Carolina had trouble putting the puck in the back of the net. Where does that scoring come from? Andrei Svechnikov was hurt that part of the season. Max Pacioretty, who they brought in this past offseason to be – one of those goal scorers to contribute offensively. Well, only played five games. Only played five games. So where does the scoring come from? Don Waddell talked about the scoring, and could it actually come internally? We score by committee uh, for the most part. If you look at how the playoffs went, you know, you had a lot of guys that stepped up that are normal. Um, so it's not like we're just looking for a pure goal scorer. You know, we'd like to get a little heavier uh, if possible. Uh, it's something that uh, Brian and I have talked a lot about. Um, you know, but we also need some guys like Table to have a bounce back year. You know, he had a tough year this year, uh, and we know guys like Jarvis are only going to get better. So you know, we might have a lot of that goal scored internally, uh, and there's other things that we would be able to address then. Okay, the goal scoring internally. Yes, he mentioned Seth Jarvis taking the next step. As a player, he's going to be a third-year NHL player this upcoming season. Okay, you expect him to make that jump. It's no guarantee, but you expect it. Andrei Svechnikov coming back after the torn ACL. Last season in 64 games before he got hurt. So he missed basically the last 20 games of the season. That was 18, but still. 23 goals, 32 assists, 55 points in those 64 games. I said it last week. Matthew Kachuk. The Canes killer in that series at three game-winning goals, including yeah. two overtime goals. He is everything you want Andrei Svechnikov to be in yeah. terms of the the skating ability, not only the passing ability but the finishing ability, and the size that he plays with, and that tenacity the size as well. Especially that yes. that that's he's everything you want Andrei Svechnikov to become, and I hope that he gets to that level. Being heavier, that's that's the size thing. You need a guy. That's a little bit bigger in size. That can play strong in corners. Can be a net front presence, but can put the puck in the back of the net. That's what they're talking about in terms of being a little bit heavier. But yeah, does Tavo Teravainen have a bounce back season? You were there last week when Tavo Teravainen has had his exit interview with the media. You he felt talk- you felt bad for him. Yeah, really. it's and he was very much Tavo Teravainen was 
He was injured a big chunks of the season last year, got hurt in the playoffs early with the slash, had his hand broken, and that slash uh, by J.G. Pajot in the series against the Islanders came back in four weeks, did not look the same. It was a rough year, and he's in the final year of his contract too. So maybe you do get the best of Tavo Teravainen. Contract year coming up, looking for a bounce back. But some of these guys internally have to step up. Martin Natchez, playoff-wise, still has to learn what it's like to play in the playoffs. So, yeah, he put up good points last season, but he's got to understand what, it's need to, what it needs to be what needs to be done in the postseason. And I, I think it's, it is good to have a plan internally to yes. say we expect so-and-so to make a jump. We see you know X, Y, and Z developing. I think that is important. But if there is a, a flaw, you also need to go address it. I think if yes. you if you try and just look inward too much, be a little more conservative, I, I don't think that's going to benefit you in the long run. But what we have seen from this organization is they, they are not afraid to go out and get something to self-assess and figure out, hey, what do we need to do to get better? So that could come in the form of free agency, or as Don Waddell was pointing out today, it could also come in the form of trades. Free agency is uh, July 1st is probably the most dangerous day in hockey besides the trade deadline. Um, you know, the one thing that I said is we have lots of cap space this year. Very rare does a free agent come and hit the open market and say, okay, I'm going to sign for one year. Uh, so we have to be a little bit, uh, you know, this is not a one-year play. It's got to be a, a you know, long-term play of how we look it up. That's why we like to... You know, get on the front end of some of our uh, bigger contracts and over they're going to sit. So I think I still think the trade route is something that we're going to explore very heavily before free agency. And again, you know, there's a lot of teams that, because the cap uh, is going up only a million dollars, that uh, are in situations uh, as some teams were last year where they have to move some pretty good players. So we want to make sure that we're in a position and talking to those teams that if something does come up, that, uh, that Phil fits our team that would be in position to uh, move on. All right. That's the big thing he said. There are a lot of teams in the NHL that are in a salary cap purgatory that they need to actually move good players. Players that are, have turned left on their contracts or may have a little bit larger salary, you got to move them. Otherwise, you are literally playing with some stars and a bunch of scrubs on minimum contracts, which no, no one's going to be successful that way in the NHL. Okay, so how do you do that? You have to be willing to wheel and deal. Well, guess what? Carolina's in a position, Luis Fernandez. They have over $24 million in cap this upcoming season. Now you have to balance the fact that in the NHL, you can't manipulate the cap like you can in, in the NFL No, with football. It can't be like, well, a lower cap hit this year and it escalates over future years depending on how you structure the contract. It doesn't, doesn't work like that in the NHL. When a player signs up, four-year $20 million deal in the NHL, an average of $5 million a year, your salary cap hit, $5 bucks, Cut and dry. It's pretty simple. Yep. Okay? So you can't manipulate things. Well, you got all this cap room. Sign guys this, up se- this upcoming season and all that. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that in the NHL. But you can get guys that have term left on their contract. Or, for example, Elias Pettersson, Vancouver, a mm-hmm. Vancouver team that, is over the cap, projected over, over the cap this and, upcoming and they, season. They and they had a minus 22 goal differential last year, so it's not like they were good. No, they were not a very good team overall. But Pedersen put up over 100 points. He has one year left on his contract, and he becomes a restricted free agent, only 24 years old. 
makes like seven, just under $7.5 million a year. I move a few pieces to go get that guy because guess what? You can hold that at the mercy of Vancouver saying, hey, look, you need the help. We'll help you this way, but you're going to give us that for us to help you. So you can you can work that in your favor. One team's cap trash is another team's cap treasure. At WakeMed MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. Primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. 